Good afternoon. Our next speaker for today is architect Lakshya Lakhan, Akshay Lakhanpal. He is the chief executive officer at Space Matrix. He leads the company's India operations and projects with offices in Hyderabad, Bangalore, Chennai, Mumbai, Pune, and Delhi. He has more than 16 years of experience in the real estate sector with a specific focus on project management, design, and general management. Besides the PNL for business, he is responsible for evaluating the impact of design on clients' business and for overviewing end-to-end -end delivery of projects, where he acts as a point of escalation. Additionally, he is very passionate about technology and how it can be utilized to enhance the experience of people while also beautifying design spaces. He comes with rich experience of having managed over 20 million square feet projects spread across 40 cities in India. He has worked on a wide spectrum of projects with clients in the corporate, retail development and institutional sectors. He has obtained a Bachelor of Architecture from VNIT Nagpur and has a postgraduate degree in project management from the School of Planning and Architecture, New Delhi. So I would like to hand over the floor to architect Akshay Lakhanpal. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for having me here, uh, Ida team. Uh, I'm very uh, pleased to be here. I hope everybody is doing uh, well these uh, difficult times. Uh, I think uh, wave has hit us uh, pretty strongly. I hope uh, everybody, you and your uh, family members are doing well. Um, I wish you um, to be safe. I think the topic today, the overall agenda for the uh, the um, seminar that's there, it's, it's on the uh, Foyer to the future, right? It's it's kind of a window to the future, and the topic that I've chosen to speak about is um, hybrid workspaces. So what does the future lie in terms of uh, the workspaces itself? And honestly, I'm not uh, Nostradamus or an oracle to predict what's going to be the future like, but uh, what we're going to talk about today is some of the principles of uh, design uh, of workspaces, which were valid uh, pre-pandemic, uh, which have been accelerated. Uh, through the pandemic and how would they impact or how would they get impacted uh, going forward uh, in the future so that's that's going to be the discussion today uh, i hope uh, it's relevant to what you feel uh, or what you see uh, around you as well um, without further ado i'll start with the presentation so let's understand uh, the intricate relationship, obviously a workplace design needs to cater to work and the workforce itself, right? So there's a very strong relationship between what's the work being carried out, uh, how the workforce performs that work, uh, and how do they collaborate amongst each other, and then how the workplace takes care of these two aspects uh, on an ongoing basis. So these are, these are given principles of design for workplace. Let's see how, how uh, these aspects have been evolving pre-pandemic. So obviously, we know work has evolved extensively We're in a stage where it's called Enterprise 4.0, where uh, repetitive tasks are carried out uh, by computers, by machine, by AI to a certain extent. That means the kind of work that people carry out today to a large extent require different kinds of skill set as they did uh, a few years or a decade back. Uh, it involves more of creativity, more of teamwork, more of problem solving. Aspects which machines can't do, uh, at least at the moment, uh, are taken care of by people. And obviously, the whole way the workspaces were designed for the work 10, 15 years back to the way they are being designed today is uh, way, way different. Now, some would argue that uh, now we're moving into enterprise so 5.0, where it's going to be a co-collaboration between machines and people. I think uh, it is uh, it is getting uh, evident today. Uh, sectors across the board are adopting it. Organizations would start adopting it as well. And, and hence, this would be a dynamic uh, going forward from a design perspective. And we'll dwell upon this uh, at length uh, towards the end of the presentation. So that's about work, how work's evolving. In terms of workforce as well, that's evolving extensively. And this is pre-pandemic, obviously. Uh, we were looking at uh, people who are traditional workers in the workplace. We were looking at uh, contract workers. We were looking at gig workers, crowdsourcing of talent. Uh, all of these are relevant, uh, were relevant uh, yesterday, are relevant today. But what, what aspect has been added? And if you see, there's no mention of remote workforce, right? So remote workforce now becomes a large chunk of this as well. Uh, and it would vary per organization, per sector, per individual. 
Uh, however, uh, the workforce ambit now increases, and hence the uh, design for workplace would need to take care into uh, design these uh, considerations. So, looking at the the relationship between the workforce, uh, the work itself, and the workplace, what what are the principles of design that actually go into creating a workplace itself? Obviously, the first and foremost, the way it was approached uh, pre-pandemic to a large extent. Uh, was the fact that it needed to take care of the uh, function first, so form follows function. So it needed to take care of all the functional aspects pertaining to design, pertaining to uh, proximity of people, uh, proximity of teams to each other, the agencies, uh, whether functionally I as an individual in that space can actually perform my work uh, productively uh, or not. All of those aspects were the primary driver um, for uh, design of a project. So you would get a brief, which would be uh, tactical in nature to say that, okay, uh, these many people, these many rooms, these many uh, kind of uh, functions, each function needs these kind of uh, uh, requirements. And then you would go ahead and meet those requirements and then add a couple of layers. The next layer to be added after the functional aspects were taken care of was the layer of experience. How do you create experiences for people which are unique to that workplace, unique to the uh, the location where that workplace exists, unique to that organization, unique to the culture uh, of that place. How do you create that level of personalization on top? And the third one, uh, the third layer uh, was the culture in the brand. How, uh, how could you uh, propagate the vision, the values of the firm uh, to the people through the workspace itself. So this is necessarily the order as well in which the design would take place. And we'll see how each of these aspects have changed and has the order changed as well. So this was part of a discussion or a roundtable that I was part of last year at NASCOM in February, uh, right before, pre -pan uh, before pandemic. And uh, we were talking about these three aspects of design, which are going to affect the future of design. The discussion at that time was also about talking about future design. And there were a lot of technology enthusiasts, people from the technology industry as part of the NASCOM conference. And one question that came up was that we're, we're talking about all of those principles, which are fine, but we're forgetting how technology is going to disrupt uh, this industry altogether. How, uh, how an office may or may not be required at all. How a room next to your uh, household could actually become the office the moment you stepped in. Technology would enable you to uh, get into a meeting, get out of the meeting, uh, and, and do your day-to-day -day work, and then step out at 6 o'clock and you were back at home. No uh, commuting time, no, no aspects pertaining to all the time wasters, so to say, during the day. And this was debated that the technology exists, the adaptation would be 10 years hence, probably a decade later, how people would adapt to it, how people would um, adjust their schedule, how uh, organizations needed to start thinking that people would work from home and things like that. And this is February, right? And March and come March end, uh, most of us were stuck at home, completely uh, isolated from the rest of the world. And this, this prophecy came true, not 10 years since, but a month or six weeks later. What, what emerged out of that discussion uh, are some interesting aspects. So where uh, initially everybody was very, very happy to write off the office itself, right? I mean, working from home meant a lot of perks. Uh, it was a pajama party of sorts. People were at home. Uh, they could lift their legs, work. They had various environments to work out of at home itself. They could actually sit in the balcony, uh, do some creative thinking with a cup of coffee, looking at their plants, or if they they had the uh, ability to sit in the garden outside. Uh, that is a different uh, kind of a work setting. You could actually work from your living room and do a Zoom party, which was very prevalent at that time. So, you could actually change your settings depending on the mood, the kind of work that you were to do. And people felt that this is great. I mean, you can uplift your mood. You can uh, use various settings in the household. And you were saving time from uh, going to work. So these are extremely positive aspects of uh, uh, work from home, right? So th there were some of the surveys that we carried out uh, in the month of April and May uh, initially. And the, the results were very promising. And hence, the world started talking about the fact that is the office dead? Uh, would people need to go back to an office ever again? How did an office contribute to the organization at all? But I mean, remember, uh, most of the organizations have the PNL, uh, 8 to 15% of the PNL uh, sitting on the, uh, the workplace front in terms of the uh, leases that they hold, in terms of the operational expenses that they have. Now, if they had the ability to wipe out a large portion of that 
expense uh, and give a uh, give a workstation uh, chair to their employees would that suffice would that actually take care of people's need and was office actually dead at the same time um, leesman which carries out uh, these um, surveys for organizations to understand the satisfaction levels that uh, employees have within the uh, organization so leesman has this uh, questionnaire that you attempt uh, it, it, it's given to all the employees in the organization the rate uh, the satisfaction levels for various amenities functions uh, that that a workspace provides and 70 plus is called the Leesman Elite, Leesman Plus kind of a score, which means that employees are extremely happy. There were 30, 35 odd organizations, actually offices, uh, which have qualified for that 70 plus uh, category. So that's the elite status that you get uh, uh, if you've designed the office to that, uh, uh, to that uh, level of uh, satisfaction. During month of uh, May and June, when Leesman carried out these surveys for employees working from home, uh, the, the results were staggering. I mean, as I said, best of the results in the workspace or the most amount of satisfaction that you would get out of a workplace, 70 plus was only 30, 35 organizations, a handful of them, actually not even organizations, offices, uh, workspaces themselves. But while people were working from home, the average index was 71.3, which is already the elite plus kind of a category. So people were kind of comfortable uh, working from home, which obviously uh, instilled uh, what you saw on the earlier slide in terms of world thinking that offices are dead uh, and, and why we would never need to go back to the office. Some bit of this, um, some bit of this uh, um, notion was also coming from the, uh, from the uh, technology uh, industry or the companies working towards enabling the technology functions for work from home. So obviously it did help their uh, motive to make sure that people believed that this was a sustainable solution, whether for the organizations or for the people, and, and this could be an alternate option available uh, to organizations and individuals. So as I said, initially it was extremely positive. As, as I said, no commute time, flexible hours, uh, individuals were saving money, organizations were saving money. Uh, there were fewer distractions um, as compared to the whole travel and work from office perspective initially. And uh, the productivity was going up for a large portion of workforce. Now, uh, when I say productivity, productivity means the amount of time that you would spend going out to work, right? So if, you're, uh, if you were commuting for two hours coming from Noida to Delhi and uh, commuting again back in the evening, four hours gone, now those four hours got back to your schedule. So now whether you chose to spend half of that or three-fourths of that or one-fourth of that back into your work, that would increase your productivity uh, automatically, right? whether that productivity was effective or not that was to be seen but the whole productivity aspect uh, did go up for sure for, from an organizational perspective the real estate costs uh, would go down uh, absenteeism reduced because people could carry out their personal work and uh, professional work in tandem and uh, the retention recruitment rates were going up uh, i mean you may have all seen uh, organizations uh, during this period of last one year uh, going ahead and advertising the fact that they're allowing for work from home or they're allowing for population to work from where they are uh, supposed to, where they're residing in the moment, as a lure to pull people back uh, to, to their organization or pull people to their organization from a hiring perspective. So clearly these were indicated to say that this is all good and it is here to stay. However, as time moved on uh, towards uh, May or June, people started figuring out that there were certain aspects that were missing when you're working from home. And I think the the uh, I mean for global I and mean, these some of, some of these statistics I mean most of these statistics are global in nature. But if you look at Asia and if you look at India in specific, uh, the situation is very different, right? I mean, you've got multicultural, multi-generational households. You've got uh, parents. You've got siblings. You've got kids. Uh, Imagine if you had a household of at least uh, three generations and uh, parents would need a room for themselves. Uh, kids having their own classes would need uh, rooms for themselves, each independently. Uh, spouse working would need a uh, room to herself or himself as well. So there were at least five or six rooms required in the house. And each needed that kind of privacy to be able to carry out a meaningful uh, conversation, to have a meaningful uh, output at the end of the day. How many households in India have that? 
and add to that the amount of effort that would be required to carry all of this out in the sense that uh, there was no time work-life balance. There was no time constraints to your day, right? I mean, the day could start at 7 in the morning and wouldn't end at 10 in the night. I mean, you could get a call, request to join, or somebody would just pick up the phone and call because everybody assumed that you're at home, uh, you've got a flexi schedule, and hence it's possible to pick up the phone and speak to you which wouldn't happen pre-pandemic, right? I mean, people would ask if they would call you beyond office hours and stuff. So these challenges were real, but these were, again, functional challenges. So uh, saying that if uh, the households in India were uh, such that you, the houses in India were such that you could have five or six rooms, and, and obviously post-pandemic, kids would be back at uh, school. Both the spouses may not be working from home the same day. So things would obviously um, subside on that front. So functional aspects can still be taken care of. Was there something beyond functional? Was there something that people were missing beyond the ambit of uh, a workstation or a chair or, uh, or space for themselves? We carried out a survey alongside with our partners or the USI consultants, and that survey showcased or actually conveyed to us two big aspects that people were missing while they were working from home. The first one, the foremost one, was face-to-face -face interaction. They missed the fact that they couldn't sit right next to their colleague and converse and, and find solutions and move ahead very quickly. And the second one was ability to collaborate. I mean, the whole aspect of people getting together, brainstorming, finding solutions is far more, was felt to be far more effective when meeting in person versus meeting digitally. So there were uh, real challenges or which needed to be met. And if I were to take uh, this term out of uh, psychiatrist Edward Hallowell's um, vocabulary, uh, what people were missing were the human moments. A uh, quick chat with a colleague at open staircase or right next to a water cooler, uh, low gossip, low voiced gossip uh, in the office itself, a short meeting at a colleague's desk and just uh, just chatting and figuring out how to solve a specific problem that that guy has or that lady has uh, solved already rather than fixing up a half an hour slot to discuss the problem, find the solution. The, the, the answer to that would be available to you in five minutes with just walking in the uh, process. The body language and the cues of a leader who's leading um, a team, uh, conveying what needs to be done or how it needs to be done, looking at the body language itself is far more stronger to, to the growth of an employee uh, than actually reading a 500-page manual as to how to do what they're supposed to do. So obviously, the cues are very, very uh, different. We'd all agree the joy of physically exiting a meeting room, knowing that you've crushed it, versus actually exiting out of a Zoom call or a uh, Google Meet call is, is very, very different. I mean, obviously, the sense of uh, success, the sense of achievement gets really, really uh, bottomed out if you're, if you're digitally achieving what you're supposed to achieve uh, physically. And last but not the least, the, the pat on the back, right? I mean, just getting a pat on the back from your boss saying that, okay, you've done a great job, or your colleague actually saying that you've done a great job. Uh, versus actually fixing a half an hour call to actually explain and say that okay you've done a great job and blah 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 I mean the amount of the the uh, the amount of time that you would spend to communicate that would be far longer and the uh, the the recipient would get uh, out of that would be far lesser digitally than a physical pat on the back right so what people were missing were these human moments and I think um, it's fair to say that design would get oriented around as human it has been uh, as i said in the past as well but this this component uh, to cater to would become extremely important on a uh, on a going forward basis now asking the employees as to what they want post pandemic we carried out a pulse survey around a month back and wanted to figure out and, and mind you obviously india went through and this region went through uh, phase one and now it's the uh, the wave two uh, of um, the pandemic and between that was a period of close to eight nine months where people had started going to the office in fact in our own case we were back at office 100 percent strength for close to six months no push only pull and i'll, I'll talk about that uh, as, uh, as part of my uh, presentation but we were, we were trying to figure out asking people again globally saying that what did they feel uh, or what did they want uh, post-pandemic? Why would they go to an office? And a large portion of that came back saying that for team meetings, for brainstorming, for collaboration, for client meetings, town halls, social interactions, that's the reason why people would uh, go back to the office.
So what does the future of workplace look like? Obviously, it's hybrid. There's no questions about it. But it's hybrid at two levels. One, from a workforce perspective, obviously, the workforce is going to be far more hybrid, uh, as we spoke about earlier. It's going to be far more hybrid. And hence, that needs to be catered into design, and which changes a lot of stuff. And that will need to be, uh, we will spend the next few slides talking about that. Uh, that's one portion of hybrid, which is the workforce. The second aspect of hybrid is now the experience from an employee perspective, from a from a colleague perspective, would be uh, dual in nature. Uh, you don't go to work to an office anymore. You go to work to a room as well within your household. You could actually be working from a cafe. So work from anywhere, right? Now those experiences would need to be hybrid as well. It need to be a combination of digital and physical experiences. Uh, no longer are the organizations adamant about the fact that there'll be no free free seating in the office in the sense that. Earlier, every person, at least the organizations which could afford it, had the uh, technology available as well. They still weren't opting for a free address system where I could go and sit in the office wherever I pleased uh, because they felt that employees would uh, currently love personalization on their work. They, they like putting up a family photo, a photo of their dog, the last vacation that they went to. They liked to get a homage to their own personal life on their workstation. And that's the reason what, uh, what organizations didn't want to take that away from, um, you know, from people. But now knowing fully well that there will be some bit of efficiency in the system where any organization may work from a 5% to a 10% to 50, 70% uh, of their workforce might actually be working from home uh, at any point in time. Why build for 100% of the workforce? That's, that's going to be uh, expensive and probably not the best idea as well. So what that would mean is that you would need to take away that personal desk away. Uh, but can you actually just take that away and not give anything in return? That's not possible, right? So how would you create a personalization of the workplace um, for an employee uh, without having that uh, personal desk? So that the technology comes into the picture. Uh, you need to be uh, catered to uh, from a personalization perspective, wherever you're working out of. So whether you're working from home or from office, you should get that sense of personalization in your day-to-day uh, -day interactions. So that is part of hybrid. And then the most important aspect of experience itself, as I said, and, and that's not uh, post-pandemic, but pandemic has accelerated that whole bit, but man-machine co-creation, right? So today we talk about collaboration between individuals, and that's taken care of uh, to a certain extent, to a large extent, depending on the design, depending on the organization, stuff like that. But going forward, creation would actually take place uh, between individuals and machines. Uh, where uh, you would use, and when I say machines, not really robotics uh, is one aspect of it, but AI uh, getting data, sitting in a place where five people are sitting, three machines that uh, are putting out data, and then you're making sense out of it and, and making the next product, making the next uh, strategy and stuff like that. So that bit of co-creation uh, are our current places uh, adept at handling that. So two aspects of hybrid, the workforce and uh, physical and digital experiences. So we're going to talk about the workforce aspect first, and then we'll get into the experiences. So workspace uh, is called workspace because you come to carry out work there, right? I think that connotation is going to change. Uh, while work was the primary driver, it's now going to be culture. It's now going to be how that space brings that culture of the organization out, how it's going to be used from a social perspective. And that, that element is going to be very, very strong in terms of the design of the workplace itself. And second is going to be the ability of the place to enable solving of complex problems, uh, enable human-machine collaboration. Those aspects uh, would also be need to be taken care of from a workspace uh, perspective. So highlighting these two aspects, and again, it differs from every organization, differs, to, differs in terms of what is the adaptation at the moment. But uh, mind you, the offices are taken at least nine years uh, in most of the parts of the country. and and. What is happening today may not be relevant tomorrow and may be very, very different tomorrow. How does the workspace adapt to what is to come forth? And, and these, are the, uh, these are the thoughts that would need to be uh, put in by the business, by, by the end clients and the users themselves, and by designers to be able to think through some of these, plan for those today so that those can be uh, implemented tomorrow when, when the need arises. So from a hybrid workspace perspective, 
as I spoke in the beginning, the principles remain the same. Obviously, principles are not going to change. There is some adaptation in the principles. And if you see the order of uh, design principle changes now completely, in the sense that, as I said, workspace is going to be a culture space now. So you would look at culture and brand first. Uh, the the brief document uh, for a workspace would need to now carry as to what's the vision uh, of the firm and how the workspace can actually uh, help reach that vision. That would be the first and the primary question that need to be answered uh, in the uh, brief and in the design itself. How would the space actually uh, contribute towards the culture, the brand, uh, the, uh, the vision of the brand uh, itself? The second layer, as I said, uh, technology and physical experiences blending all of those together to create a second layer of uh, personalization experience for employees, potential employees, visitors, clients alike. So how would you use technology and personalization to do that? That would be the second layer. And the third layer would be the functional requirements. So the, the order reverses. The functional requirements itself would change. Uh, we were providing a desk for each person, at least to most of the uh, organizations that were designing their offices. That's going to change. How will you provide various settings? Uh, I mean, today, as I said, you can actually lift your feet, uh, do your work on a couch, uh, or you could actually go out in the open and do your work. Does office uh, setup provide for these settings? Can you actually provide for those as well to make sure that um, people are excited to get to office and not forced? to uh, come back to office. So all of those aspects will need to be taken care of the uh, functional requirement. They would change by themselves as well. The zoning would change. You would want to isolate certain areas. You want to make sure that there are different work settings available. In siloed work as well, different levels of uh, uh, concentration would need to be provided to people. So levels of distractions would need to be reduced in different settings uh, and stuff like that. So all of those together would form the workplace of the future. Principles remain the same, thoughts remain the same, but uh, how those adapt themselves to the new world would uh, would uh, come out. So to answer that question earlier, is the office dead? The biggest thing is creativity needs people. People need collaboration, and collaboration needs offices, or at least spaces where collaboration can, uh, can be carried out. Technology, as of today, as we know it, can connect, but cannot help create connections, right? So the human movements are required to be able to uh, create or co-create together. And hence, uh, the offices would uh, would revolve around those. And for the same reason, 100% of online companies, I mean, companies where the entire business depends on online uh, people remaining online, are actually taking up offline offices. I mean, if you've seen the news uh, in the past, uh, what, couple of months or so, the online-only organizations are consuming maximum uh, real estate in India. Now, there is a reason for that, right? They also recognize that while the end product is online only, to create that product, you need a uh, workspace to be able to create that kind of um, uh, technologically advanced or uh, something which is disruptive and actually can uh, make a difference uh, tomorrow. So the answer, short answer, no, but it, it evolves. So what we've done, uh, what, what we're going to do now is actually uh, glance through some pictures and, and figure out as to what aspects would be given importance in terms of workspace design to visually communicate what I'm talking about. Um, so obviously, this is uh, one of the offices designed for a consulting company uh, here in Bhutan uh, for a client. Um, the ability to provide choices, and this is one of the spaces, this is one of the type of spaces which could be a, a barista kind of a space or a, or a coffee shop kind of a space or a Starbucks kind of a space, which actually gives you an ability to break away from your day-to-day -day work. Or you might actually come and sit here, instead of going to a coffee shop, come and sit here, uh, enjoy uh, free coffee done by the, the best barista in town, and and uh, still uh, still meet an external uh, colleague or still meet your internal colleagues and then walk away, not going to the office at all. Uh, or a setting where you can actually get a couch and you can lift your legs and do that. Or a setting where uh, you have the ability to sit in a garden of sorts within the office space itself. Or a space where you're actually sitting out next to a... Um, next to a play arena, watching your colleagues play, and you're actually doing work as well. So different kind of settings to be able to provide the kind of work that you want to do. The office should be able to provide for those settings. Uh, the type of settings, the kind of setting, the intensity of those settings would depend on each organization, uh, how they are. Uh, but uh, the choice would need to be provided uh, for sure. 
this is a picture of our own office uh, where we broke away. And this was uh, during the pandemic and the design was happening in post pandemic, we moved into the space. Uh, was to create uh, what you see at the bottom of the um, the team tables. So what we did was we moved away from doing workstations for individuals, and we said that our job involves actually co-creation for specific types of projects. Uh, if we didn't do that, there would be silos within team. Uh, one team would not speak to the other unless absolutely necessary, right? But if you had a team table which was to take care of a uh, ongoing project, and you book that table, and everybody from different departments who are responsible for that project would sit on that table uh, for the day for the allocated duration, they would obviously talk to each other and make sure that uh, they're uh, they're collaborating and they make sure that the end results are being uh, met. So this aspect will be again different for different organizations. Again, to understand what. Uh, what is the intended output and how you can impact that uh, would need to be defined in advance and then uh, then designed for. Going forward, I think one big change that some of these Zoom calls have brought in, and we've seen a lot of forwarded WhatsApps and stuff like that, where you don't mind today if your uh, if if your colleague or your own kid actually steps into the uh, the Zoom call and is asking you a question and stuff like that. You're actually now comfortable uh, in being natural, right? Then the facade, the, uh, the you're actually okay to give your colleagues a peek into your day-to-day -day life. You're okay uh, for your colleagues to see you or your clients to you or your um, external partners to see you the way you are uh, in terms of beyond the office hours as well or beyond the office uh, uh, set as well. And I think that's a big shift in terms of uh, being able to be uh, natural in your day-to-day -day, uh, work, not, uh, not always bound by the fact that um, uh, you would need to appear in a certain fashion to be able to take to be taken seriously. And what what gives uh, what gives rise uh, what it gives rise to is the fact that you can actually choose to be your own self. I mean, you you can bring out you can uh, make your personality shine out the way it is. And I think that ability uh, would need to be provided by the workspace. How can you actually give a space where people can actually uh, be their natural self beyond their work time. Can they actually create that sense of belonging with a which which uh, sticks to them, where they feel that excitement to go back to that office every morning or once a week or once a month, whatever that time frame be. But they're actually excited to go back there, actually happy to go back there, and not just going there because they've been asked to come and uh, report their attendance for that day. So that bit of community building, that bit of uh, association with the brand, that bit of building culture will need to be done extensively by the physical space as well, beyond the digital means. I think one thing which has never been debated, uh, still remains strong, is uh, uh, interaction with the potential employees, uh, the em potential employees' ability to judge the culture of the space the moment they step into it. Um, a person who is coming for an interview um, may have done um, months of study on that organization to figure out what the culture is, what people stand for, and stuff like that. That may be proven right or wrong within five minutes of that person stepping into that space. Uh, the whole aspect of saying that, okay, is there compatibility in the way I work and this organization is, uh, you can you can make that out very, very quickly. I mean, if, if the reception or the area adjoining the reception where you're asked to go and uh, wait for next half an hour or 15 minutes till your interview starts, uh, if, if it's a space like this and you're not a person like this, then it's very easy for you to understand, okay, this is not the place that I would like to work. Uh, it is different from who I am. Or you might think, okay, uh, this is pretty cool. I actually want to be a part of this space or this organization. So you, you're able to communicate to an onlooker uh, without actually having to put up uh, terabytes of data online to show what uh, your organization stands for with just a snippet of uh, the culture of the organization, the way people interact uh, by just giving a peek to them when they uh, come to your office. Now, this could be a partner. This could be a, a potential employee. This could be a visitor, uh, which might be a client or an external uh, partner as well. So how do you, how do you convey company values, how you convey uh, the whole experience uh, through the workspace itself. So this is uh, this was and will remain uh, an important uh, component of uh, workspace design. 
in terms of uh, client experience, I think that's that's very important. And I think uh, that becomes even more important today. And we did see that again. This is our own office, and we, as I said, were operational out of this space for good or nine odd months. And we did have client interactions at our uh, office space. Uh, the whole aspect of the journey from uh, saying that okay, this is the this is the brief, and up to the uh, finalization or sign off of the design itself, the layout, the look and feel, and stuff like that, the aesthetic aspects, uh, furniture to be chosen, and stuff like that, is anywhere between two to four week process. However, if you're able to bring in the client to a space where you're able to convey uh, what the organization stands for, uh, what all options are available to them, uh, how do you co-create with the client uh, himself or herself, uh, that ability changes that completely, that time frame completely. So you can actually do this now in a week. Mean, we can do this in a week's time, what we used to do in three to four weeks' time. So that ability to interact, find solutions together is far more stronger than saying that, okay, you don't like this, uh, Mr. Client, give me three more days, I'll come back to you with another set of options. And then you go back to the set of options and the person doesn't like it again, and then there's another three days uh, for that. Uh, design is subjective, right? So you've got to you've got to hit the card. You've got to figure out what uh, what works and what doesn't work within the ambit of cultural aspects, uh, functional aspects, and all of that. How do you how do you strike that balance? And that is done best when done uh, when when done in tandem uh, with uh, the creator. So I think this aspect is going to be far more stronger uh, going forward. Uh, the whole ability to uh, enable solutions to solve complex problems. I think whether it's digital, whether it's a space like this, which is far more physical, where you will co-create together, uh, the, the all the tools that will help you uh, co-create are available right next to you. Uh, you can brainstorm, you can sit and chat, you can figure out what the end outcome uh, will be. Uh, as I said, this could be physical, that could be digital. But creating spaces which would uh, enable you to do that uh, find complex uh, solutions to complex problems is going to be a uh, given as well. And I think beyond all of this, the most interesting and the most significant aspect uh, of an office space is now uh, it should be able to elevate the well-being of uh, employees. In fact, Gartner did a study in the pandemic uh, which, which conveyed that most of the uh, potential employees today who are, who are looking for a job are actually looking at what kind of work-life balance that the organization provides and what kind of wellness uh, initiatives that the organization has, which go beyond saying that I've got plants in the office, right? I mean, how do you create that sense of uh, wellness in terms of your HR policies, in terms of how the space works for you, how, how the systems in the space work for you, how overall you're able to provide a well-rounded wellness solution uh, for the employees and i think this is uh, a sticky factor for most of the employees today and and should be for sure uh, to to be able to take uh, to elevate the workplace experience to the next level so given obviously plants uh, biophilia obviously they contribute but beyond that um, beyond that in terms of uh, can you provide auditory um, uh, environment can you provide all factory uh, environments can you provide colors and aesthetics and graphics to counter or to uh, to uh, to create that uh, micro environment so using all of these aspects in a workspace design to create a workspace which is which is not only talking to an aesthetic appeal or pure functional appeal is creating an environment and actually taking you away from your regular work station or a work, uh, work desk kind of a work style to a style where you want to create and you want to sit in a space which uh, smells like um, fresh um, uh, fresh air or uh, which felt, uh, smells like uh, fresh herbs or uh, trees outside and you're able to listen to soothing, calming music and you can see physical green and daylight in front of you. That takes you to an outdoor setting uh, immediately or sitting in a barista within the office itself, which has a very strong uh, coffee uh, fragrance. The music is like a lounge or a uh, coffee shop uh, music, cafe music playing there. And you're able to interact with colleagues, the same kind of buzz that you would get at uh, Starbucks, you actually bring that buzz back to the office. So, so these micro environments in the office would be able to um, support uh, well-being initiatives. So as an organization, what we've done is we've created these five parts of the pillars for uh, workspace design principles, which will enable uh, us and our clients to 
try and figure out what the workspace of the future uh, looks like. We've spoken about how hybrid workspace can actually um, uh, can actually uh, be designed uh, using these principles. Uh, let's also look at hybrid experiences and what what do they mean and how would they be um, how would they be catered to? And this is a, a, a three four year old study, but it said that people are now okay uh, to uh, get a hybrid experience in the office itself. AI decision making without human on output. Uh, input uh, being okay to report to a uh, AI based um, leader uh, for yourself uh, or um, the ability of an organization and individual to implement deep learning and stuff like that, which is augmented creativity, which is uh, you creating, but then the machine comes in and augments that reality, uh, the creativity, and then you go back and augment it further. So, how can you uh, use? Uh, both human brain and machine to be able to create something which is uh, really uh, phenomenal. So these aspects are are real uh, and are uh, coming our way. Technologies will need to uh, support those. Now, one one aspect which is very typical today is uh, uh, if I'm sitting on a Zoom call and and it was happening right pre pandemic pre the second wave. Uh, I would love to go back uh, to the office and work because personally, that's who I am. I'm more comfortable working out of an environment which is far more office -y so that I can actually get my brain to think in that direction without any um, without any distractions and come back home and then enjoy the, uh, the personal life experience as well. But then there are other colleagues for whatever reasons may or may not be able to come to the office uh, that specific day. Now, technology in today's times is not equitable. A person who's sitting in the same room as you gets a very different experience of that meeting as compared to the person who's actually sitting remotely. Now, this could be due to uh, physical cues. This could be the environment that you're sitting in. If I'm sweating the room, everyone in the room sweating, but you're actually sitting at home and you've got air conditioning versus if it's the other way around. I mean, you're feeling uncomfortable because of the condition you're in and everybody in the room is comfortable. You're not on the same page at all. So how do you, how do you make that equitable? And this is one of the examples which may not be possible, but again, watching visual cues, right? I mean, can you actually use AR, VR, and there are tools available today, uh, which can actually get you to uh, come to that room yourself physically. I mean, earlier it used to be this uh, Cisco telepresence thing, which actually uh, did to the workstation height itself, and you, you felt as if you were sitting in a room. But today, that, that needs to change. That needs to be a full body experience. The person needs to be digitally in that room to be able to do that. So that's one, and, and that's how it would make it partially equitable. But I think the other bigger aspect is if I, as an employee, and I'm part of a uh, five-member team, uh, and four of them are in the office that day, uh, and I'm sitting at home, how would I be actually still be with them through the day? Uh, because work is not going to be just that meeting of half an hour or one hour that's going to happen. It's going to be through the entire day, through discussions, through banter or whatever. You would actually pick up a lot of stuff which you would have missed out. So that fear of missing out, how do you how do you cater to that? Uh, through technology, so that you're part of that um, part of that work day at office, sitting at home. I think these are some very complex uh, technology problems, but I think it's only. Uh, I mean, now that they're there, uh, they will be solved as well. But then again, are the offices enabled to take care of this? Now, in this uh, picture that I borrowed from an HBR article, uh, obviously it's still uh, shown as a meeting table, and people are going to actually sit around that meeting table. But if you're doing a digital meeting and uh, you've got participants from outside, do you actually need a meeting table? Uh, do you actually need uh, something to put something on? Uh, or do you just do a coffee table on the side and the rest of the meeting is open? Not known, right? But these are things that, as designers, we need to think through and provide for today, so that when these technologies come in tomorrow, it's it's just a lift and shift. You don't need to then adapt or change the whole place because uh, you didn't think of this earlier. So this is how do you create equitable technology solutions, and how does the workspace actually cater to those uh, equitable uh, technology solutions? I think this is uh, my last slide. Actually, wanted to dwell upon how do you create? We were talking about earlier the whole uh, physical and uh, digital experience of an employee. How do you create that bit of uh, personalization through the entire day for an employee, irrespective of whether the person's in a workplace 
or at home and when at uh, the workplace it is extremely intuitive you don't need to physically do stuff or command stuff to be able to get that level of uh, personalization an example of this in the retail industry which started about 4 5 years back in the us is a disruptor right you amazon go right which um, basically means you step into a retail store and uh, you do your shopping uh, you just put them in your bag and then you walk out and when you're walking out your credit card gets uh, deducted uh, for the stuff that you picked up now that's intuitive technology where you didn't have to meet anyone speak to anyone absolutely contactless you just picked up your stuff and you moved out uh, shaves off a lot of time in the whole process you're not sitting uh, you're not standing in a couple of queues to be able to get to that uh, billing machine and getting it done that shaves off probably 15 20% of your time but more importantly the whole experience is seamless you you could be on a call speaking to someone picking up stuff and then just move out without any mean that 10 minute of detour detour can actually uh, help you do what you would have taken an hour over the weekend to do right so that intuitive technology experience can that be brought to workspace itself to be able to enable uh, personalization and the ability for people to feel welcome uh, in, in the office space so uh, as an organization we've developed something uh, which i'm going to show you a, a, a brief synopsis of but uh, it's a tool to actually sorry it's a tool to actually bring that about so this is a technology tool where you can actually um white visitors uh, book meeting rooms uh, now the visitor gets the application uh, link to download and they create their personal profile now personal profile based upon what kind of coffee do you i mean what kind of uh, air temperature do you like things which you would generally uh, not convey uh, but uh, you these things very private to you but at the same time if the workspace knows it and is able to cater to it uh, nothing like it right right from the whole journey to going up to the building itself figuring out where, where in the building is that office which is the floor where you need to get to the reception uh, the building recognizing you that you reached and uh, and obviously um, addressing your concerns where digital access to the space can be given no need for an escort to uh come and pick you up and tell you where to go to the whole uh, journey from uh, the uh, parking up to the meeting room itself uh, showing you where to get to and in the process actually while you're walking to your meeting room uh, asking you that you like this coffee should we should we order for it and then the uh, the pantry boy getting that order and uh, getting it for you uh, the whole meeting room ambience changing to your personal settings the one that you like to be able to give you that personalization i i think things like these and these are very very small set of uh, user cases but then these use cases together can actually make so much of a difference to a employer or visitor experience in the office it becomes extremely intuitive figuring out figuring out uh, as an employee where your colleague seated that day uh, the one that you want to sit next to and um, and create or uh, figuring out uh, the the choice of the space based upon the music that's playing Uh, or the uh, buzz that there in the the noise level there the lux level there so the, the the choices are infinite i mean that that you can actually choose your space based on that and then obviously the regular office amenities coming to your phone itself and and adapting to what you generally do to be able to uh, make your day far more productive with the whole space itself so these were some of the uh, aspects which we need to think of as uh, designers to be able to uh, understand how hybrid physical and digital experiences would uh, be a function of how the workspace is designed so that's about it thank you for patiently uh, listening to the um, to the presentation uh, i'd be happy to take questions if there are any till gauri comes in i i was attending the last presentation and i think it was really really uh, dr uh, sorry architect uh, yathin pande i think the whole aspect which he spoke about in terms of difference between history and tradition saying that history is forgotten but tradition carries on i think uh, we did see a lot of um, a lot of uh, disruption in some of these traditional ways of working traditional ways of um, looking at offices and stuff during this uh, whole running uh, up period and i think uh, we will emerge smarter out of this whole thing so i just wanted to put it out there sorry thank you so much uh akshay sir for enlightening us on this relevant topic of hybrid spaces uh currently there are no questions from the audience 
but uh, i would like to ask like what are your um, what is your opinion on office spaces or hybrid spaces in 2040 like in 20 or 30 years yeah so as i said i'm not a oracle i can't predict what's going to happen uh, 2020 or years uh, later but i think fundamentally what we are saying is it is a possibility that the footprint of the office space uh, uh, might not be used just for work and, and that's a real possibility work can now be enabled i mean there are discussions on whether that work will happen from uh, home or where it will actually happen from your hometown where the office uh, of that organization doesn't exist or will we have street offices in the sense that you walk into a Uh, market and you have an office which you can actually utilize with a theater office you just utilize and walk out and you got a uh, number of these built uh, uh, across the uh, city there are different formula uh, and each organization have a different uh, formula to cater to depending on their organization culture their expectation their uh, their vision but i think one thing is for sure it will not remain stagnant uh, the way we've seen the office within confines of the office space itself the last 4 uh, 5 decades I think that's going to change over the next two decades for sure. It'll be hybrid. To what extent uh, will be a large function of that would be technology that comes in, which will be able to solve some of the problems that I brought about in the presentation. If those are solved, then uh, then again the office is going to be utilized purely or largely to a uh, to a social or a cultural uh, need. So yeah, I mean that's how it's going to change. I'm not going to take a stab at exactly what it's going to be because it's very difficult to predict at the moment. But yeah, it's it's going to be along those uh, principles. Okay, thank you so much, and it was lovely okay. having you here on this platform. Thank Pleasure. You. Thank you so much, and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you.